good? I heard Brother Rice preach several times over the years, and I always, uh, when I heard him preach, always helped me, and I always wanted to have him come preach, and just didn't work out, and I didn't know if I could get him here just for a special Sunday, but when I called him, uh, he was very gracious, and said, I'd love to come, and uh, that was over a year ago, and he's here, and we're proud to have him here. I remember one time uh, making a trip south to see the kids at college, and somebody had given me a set of tapes of his uh, sermons, and uh, I think there's about five of them. And the whole trip, we just listened to Brother Rice, and it ministered to uh, my wife and I. It was a great blessing. And I, I, it's a treat for us to have them. And, and folks, listen to the man of God preach today. Open your heart to God's word, and I know you'll get a blessing. Brother Rice, good to have you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. First John chapter 5. I could real quickly could I have you two ushers come forward and let me pass out these brochures just right quick in fact if I had a couple extras it would be even quicker good great uh, I'd like for every family they're right there on the front pew gentlemen I'd like for every family to get one of these um, if you want to get a couple of them that's fine so if I could have a representative from each family to stand real quick would you just stand dad stand if you're here mom if dad's not here junior assist and one of these gentlemen will give you one of these uh, brochures for the ranch Bill Rice Ranch began in 1953 because of a burden my parents had for deaf young people. And uh, uh, it includes camps for hearing teenagers, junior age boys and girls, families, and the whole business. So this is all the information about that. It has prices, dates, speakers, the whole deal. Now, if you, if you have a folder, would you, would you look this way a second? If you have a folder, would you do this? Take it like this and turn it this way and then sit on it. Would you do that, please? That way you won't be reading it while I'm preaching this morning. If you'll just put it up now, I would appreciate it. But you, you'll have it after, and they'll be at the book table if you'd like to after. You can get them then, and that'll be fine. I know you're thinking, Brother Rice, when, when can we read them? Bring them back next Sunday morning. You can read them. <laughs> that'll be fine, but not now if you put them up. Um, at the book table in the back, I've got... Um, We've got several things. Everything back there belongs to the Bill Rice Ranch. None of it belongs to me or to Mary. It doesn't belong to us. And none of the proceeds for the sale of the stuff back there comes to us. Isn't that sad? It's true. Um, it all goes to the ministries of the Bill Rice Ranch. So there's one book back there. I think we just have the one book. And then we've got six or eight different CDs. You know, good Christian music's hard to come by, isn't it? And we've heard good, good music this morning. And this is all good stuff. Let me just mention a couple of things. This is a Christmas CD. Don't you love Christmas music? This has two brand new Christmas songs, and the rest of them are traditionals. There are 12 songs on here. This is by the Berkey Trio. This would be Will's wife and her two sisters. And, you know, the way siblings can harmonize is um, just beautiful. This is wonderfully done. Sing Me Now of Christmas. So that's back there. This is Wren's latest CD, God of All Comfort. Wren has twins, twin girls. They're four now, but when they were um, in the process of being born, uh, we didn't know if they would make it or not. And it was a very difficult time for Nathan and for Wren. And during that time, God comforted Wren with many things from the Bible and also specifically some music. And so she wrote a few songs and then arranged others. This is piano and voice and recorder, you know, has kind of a, sounds like they're in Ireland or something. It's really, I, I love this. I, Ren has two CDs. I think they're both back there. 
and this is great. So if you've never met Ren or if at one time you were in love with her, if you'll get this CD, I would appreciate that. Um, this is God of all comfort. And then, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist. Okay, this is my book, Do You Mind If Your Kids Don't? This is on raising kids. This just came out this summer. It, it really is the fastest selling uh, book the ranch has ever had. It really is, has been quite something. I'm very, very thankful for it. Um, and it's loaded with Bible truth. It's just loaded with Bible principles on rearing kids. And in uh, fact, just, it was just last week, just last week, I heard a preacher say, and this is the truth, I'm not embellishing this. He said, this is the greatest book I have ever read written on raising children. A preacher said that. I know it because I'm the preacher. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I really didn't say that. Well, I did, but I'm not admitting to it. Okay. Do you mind if your kids don't? Let me see. How many of you here have children still at home? Can I see your hands, please? Anybody here have more than five? Five children or more at home. Can I see your hands? Really, brother? How, you, you have six? Good. You can get six of these books. That'll be fine. <laughs> uh, one for each child. Anybody have more than six? Pastor, you have five, right? Five. five? <laughs> this, this is a great church to be in, I'm telling you. Um, and then how many of you have grandchildren? Good. Okay. How many have ever gone to Walmart and you've seen a brat and you've said to yourself, I'd like to get a hold of that kid just for, how many have ever said that? Okay. Buy about 30 of these and you can pass them out at Walmart to parents. Okay. Do you mind if your kids don't? Now the book is $14, but we sell it for 12. The CDs are 15. Uh, they're worth every cent of that. So it's $15 for the CDs, $12 for the book. If you get the book and any CD, you can get the two of them together for 25. Speaking of Walmart, does this sound good or what? All right, so, <laughs> so you can get the, the book and a CD for 25, and I hope you'll take everything on the table back there. If you write a check, you can just make it out to Bill Rice Ranch, uh, that'll be fine. And I, I really think uh, it'll be a help. And let me, let me really encourage you to get the Christmas CD. I'm serious about that. And there's several other things, so look through them. If, if you get a chance, look at just the cover of the book. The ranch did an excellent job. It has a picture of Nathan Reeves, who heads up our school ministry in the junior program in the summer. He and his son, and they, you can't see it from where you're seated, but on the front of the book, they're glaring at each other. They're just glaring at each other. Do you mind if your kids don't? On the back of the book, they're hugging. See, this is before they read my book. <laughs> this is after. Actually, this is before I gave him five bucks, and this is after. But at any rate, I hope you'll get them, and I hope you'll do that. hope you come visit us at the ranch. How many of you people have never been to the Bill Rice Ranch? Can I see your hand, please? Uh-huh. And you call yourselves Christians. Uh, Bill Rice Ranch is a wonderful place, and I'm biased. You'd know that. Uh, but it is amazing what the Lord's done there. And one of the amazing things is the continuance. People ask me all the time who were at the ranch in the 70s and the 80s, is it still going? It's not only still going, but uh, it's, it's going wonderfully. And uh, we grew last summer. We had, uh, I was telling somebody last night, we had more teenagers saved last summer than the summer before, more junior age youngsters saved last summer than the summer before, and more deaf saved last summer than the summer before. So the Lord really blessed us, and I'm thankful for that. Let me let you meet Mary real quick, so you can her pal. Would you mind standing up? This is my wife, Mary, and we have three children. 
Will is our oldest. He's 36, and he, he uh, leads the ranch. And he and Cena have three children. Uh, they've got a daughter and two sons. And then Wendy is our second. And uh, Will, of course, lives on the ranch. And Wendy and her husband, Lee, live in northern Virginia. Lee is a lawyer. And uh, they go to Temple Baptist Church up there. They often come to the ranch when the teenagers from Temple come. They bring about 80 to 100 kids uh, in the summer when they come. And they have three children. They've got a boy and two girls. And then Wren, our youngest, she and Nathan live on the ranch and work in the ministries there. And they have three children, three girls. They've got twin daughters that are four and then a young one that's nine months. So... That's our kids. And tonight in the service, we'll be having a slide presentation of our, our grandchildren. And uh, I know you'll want to see it. It's only an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't do that because if I did that, you'd say to me, Bill, can I show you my grandkids? And quite frankly, I wouldn't be interested. So, <laughs> so uh, that's, that's our family. Have I done everything I need to do, pal, before I start? I think so. I think so. You got First John 5? We're going to begin with verse 11. Would you mind standing out of respect to the Bible and just to refresh ourselves before the message, 1 John 5, 11. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Father, help us, I pray, in these next few minutes to see clearly what you have said in the Bible so that we can live by it and promote it to others, I ask. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. What question could be more important than the question, do you know you're going to heaven? Are your sins forgiven? Are you born again? Are you saved? Wouldn't that be among, if not, the most important question that could be asked of anyone? Salvation by grace through faith is crucial. It is critical. And it is foundational to everything else we believe, teach, and preach in Bible-believing circles. And yet salvation is so often confusing to many good people. I'd like for us this morning, and, and we will again tonight too, we'll come back to the same passage, Lord willing. I'd like for us to see from the Bible exactly what it means to be saved. Now, I want you to think for a second. You may be here, and you may never have trusted in Christ. However, on a Sunday morning where we've had 8 to 10 inches of snow, more than likely, the folks who have gathered with us are people who know the Lord, who love the Lord, and who seek to serve Him. Having said that, if you are born again, it's still important that you are clear in your thinking as to how one's saved. So let's just go through 1 John 5, these three verses, and see exactly what constitutes salvation, all right? Number one, salvation, the record says, is a gift. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't warrant it. You don't purchase it. You don't uh, buy it. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. Now, people, this really is clear. Eternal life, salvation, is a gift given by God. It is not something earned by God's people. You know, 
at Christmas time, I've always been amused at how we muddy the concept of giving and earning. Um, you better be careful. You better live right because Santa knows who's naughty and who's nice. And so you better do right so that you'll get a gift. Why? If it's a gift, what, what, does it make, what difference does it make if you're naughty or you're nice? You, you don't get something because you're good. If you did, it wouldn't be a gift, would it? If you got something because you were truly good. When I was a kid, I used to think to myself, why do I have to be good to get presents? <laughs> why, why would you get a present because you're good? Don't you get presents because they're presents? See, but so often it's confusing in our minds. Well, yes, but should we be deserving of the present? You can't be deserving of it. If you were, it wouldn't be a present. Suppose, suppose pastor said to me um, after the service, your car looks like a mess, Brother Bill. And it was clean yesterday in North Carolina um, where it was um, 70 degrees when we left. It was 40 last night, but... Um, suppose he said, I'd like to clean up your car, get all the snow off, and wash your car. Well, it takes, what, 12, 15 bucks to have that done if you have somebody do it for you. So suppose I, no, no, that's okay, Pastor, I, I appreciate it. No, no, he says, I'd like, to, I'd like to wash your car, clean your car. Uh, it may get dirty again tonight, but we'd like to have it pristine for the service tonight. So I say, okay. So suppose the pastor washes my car. And uh, suppose he does a great job. And he brings it back, and I say, wow, this is really nice. Let me, let me give you 10 bucks for it. No, no, he says it's a gift. Well, I say, I know it's a gift, but you did a great job. Let me, let me give you $5. No, no, he says, Bill, it's a gift. Well, I, I know it's a gift, but <laughs> look, let me give you 2 bucks. No, no, it's a gift. Now, let me ask you a question. If I gave him 50 cents for a job that was worth, let's say, $15, would it be a gift? No. See, salvation's a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not something you deserve. By the way, it is not something that after you live, you can, after you have been born again, you can, forgive my English, have earned it or be deserving of it. No, no, salvation is a gift. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And then the Bible says, and this life is in his son. Now, why would it say it's in his son? What does it mean that the gift of eternal life is in his son? Well, while a gift is free to the recipient, it always costs the giver. Gifts are free only to the people who receive them. They are not free to the people who give them, are they? And the Bible teaches that Christ satisfied God's justice and judgment on behalf of our sin by dying in our place, by paying the penalty for our sin. The Bible says that we're sinners, that Christ is God, that Christ died in our place for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins and offers the gift of eternal life to us. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran with a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. 
And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. He was the Son of God who purchased for you and for me the gift of eternal life. And when Christ died on the cross, he paid the penalty that was mine. He paid for the judgment that was mine so that he could offer the gift of eternal life. Salvation's a gift. It's a person. That person is Jesus Christ. In other words, he purchased the gift. Suppose I had, here's, a, here's the key to the room where we're staying. Suppose, suppose this key were, let's let it represent $20. Suppose I said, I'd like to give you this $20. All right, this is obvious, but if I were willing to give you this $20, what would you have to do before it was yours? Take it. In other words, you don't have to be deserving of it. You don't have to warrant it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. If it's a gift, if I say, here's a gift, and I want you to have it, it's 20 bucks, all you do is take it, correct? All right, suppose I took this gift, and I said, now look, I want you to have it, and you can have it, and it is yours, but I'm going to put it in my Bible. So I take the $20, I put it in my Bible, and I say, you can have it, but you cannot take it out of my Bible. Well, obviously, what would you have to take to get the gift? My Bible, okay. So if you take the Bible, you get the gift. If you want the gift, you take the Bible, because the gift is yours, but it's in my Bible. All right? Now, I don't mean to be irreverent. Listen to this. This is the record that Bill hath given to you 20 bucks. And this 20 bucks is in Bill's Bible. He that hath the Bible hath the 20 bucks. He that hath not the Bible hath not the 20 bucks. And I'm writing this to you people so that you can know that if you have the Bible, my good friend, you got the 20 bucks. See, salvation is a gift. The gift is in a person. The person is Jesus Christ. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. Then the Bible says, He, now listen to this, He that hath the Son hath life. It doesn't say, He that hath the Son and goes to church. He that hath the Son and has changed every aspect of his life. He that hath the Son and is legitimate. He that hath the sun and can't be scared away just because there's 10 inches of snow on the ground. The Bible says, he that hath the sun hath life. Period. All right, now the question is, what does it mean to hath the sun? What does it mean to have the sun? If my having eternal life is determined by my having the sun, what does it mean to have the sun? How does one quote, have the Son. First John, or John, written by the, by the same human author. John 1.12 is the answer. You want to turn there real quickly? John chapter 1, verse 12. This is, I suppose, my favorite verse in all the Bible. John 1.12. John 1.12. The Bible says, But to as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you have it there? You want to read it out loud with me? Would you mind doing that? I'll give the reference and let's read it together. Here we go. John 1.12. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now know what the Bible says here. The Bible equates belief 
with receiving. Know what the Bible says again. But to as many as received him, that's Christ, to them gave he the power or the right to become the sons or the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. To receive Jesus, to have him, means to believe on Jesus. To believe in Jesus means to receive Jesus. Okay, fair enough. What does it mean then to believe on Jesus? Well, in the Bible, the word believe is the same word as the word faith. You probably know this. It's the same word. Uh, believe is the noun form. Excuse me. Faith is the noun form. In other words, a body of belief is faith. If I'm faithing or believing, that's the verb form. In other words, faith is the noun. Believing is the verb form. If I'm faithing, if I said to you, I'm faithing today in God, then I would say it better uh, with English if I said I'm believing. Is this making sense so far? So to believe in Jesus means to have faith. What does it mean to have faith? All right, it means to trust. That's my favorite word. It means these are all synonyms, every one of them. It means to trust. It means to rely upon. It means to trust in Christ to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. See, a person says, okay, God, I'm a sinner. I cannot save me. I cannot pay the penalty for my sin apart from my being forever and ever and ever and ever in hell. I can't pay for my sin, but I believe Christ is God. I believe He can do for me what I cannot do for myself. I believe He died in my place, and I am therefore trusting Him to do for me what I cannot do for myself. See, it's that belief, it's that trusting in Christ as Savior that makes one God's child, John 1.12. It's that belief, it's that trusting in Christ as Savior that gives one eternal life, 1 John 5, 13. See, salvation is in a person, that person is Christ, and when you trust Him, you have it, period. It comes because you trust in Christ. Suppose you and I are on a flight, um, hopefully uh, to come into Detroit, and about 100 miles out we have trouble and the plane's going down, it's in a snowstorm at uh, 36,000 feet. And there's bad weather up there and the plane's going down. So the pilot says, I've got parachutes for all of us. I've never used a parachute before. I don't know everything about the way a parachute works. Do you? Okay. I've never tried a parachute before. But I, I have a choice to make. The plane's going down. And when planes go down, the, the way they're not supposed to, it's, it's, it's no fun. Because it's called a crash and you don't you know, you don't survive crashes. So I want to survive this, this uh, problem, this malady. So I put on the parachute. Now listen, and I trust the parachute to do for me what I cannot do for myself. I don't trust the parachute and flap my arms. I don't trust the parachute and try to glide. I can't save me. But the parachute can. So the pilot says, Bill, will you trust the parachute? And I say, yes, sir, I will. I will trust the parachute. I will, in the Bible terminology, believe in. Rely upon. That's, that's what it means, people. It means to rely upon. It means to trust in. That's the whole idea. It means to trust in Christ to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. This is the record God hath given to us eternal life. It's a gift. This life is in a son. It's in a person because he purchased it. He that hath the Son 
half-life. That is, I trust in, I believe in, I accept. These words all mean the same thing. I've had people say to me, well, I, I accepted Jesus, but did I truly believe in him? I believed in him, but did I, did I trust him? I trusted him, but did I repent? I repented, but did I mean it? They all mean the same thing. See, it means to turn from where you are, trusting whatever it is you're trusting, probably yourself. But it could be church, it could be salvation, it could be, uh, excuse me, it could be baptism, it could be good works. It could be a, just a myriad of things. It could be, And you say, I can't, I, it won't work. My baptism won't save me. My church won't save me. My loving my fellow man won't save me. I, I cannot save myself, so I trust Christ to do for me what I cannot do for myself. He that hath the Son hath life. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. It's a gift. This life is in a son. It's in a person. He that hath the Son hath life. He that believes on, he that trusts in, the one who relies upon Christ has eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And that's really a fascinating verse. God says, look, I've given you this gift. It's free. It's in my Son. It's in a person. If you'll trust in Him, if you rely upon Him, if you'll believe in Him, you can have eternal life. And you can know it. Well, how do you know it? Because you... You, you trust what God says. Not because you feel it. Not because uh, the sun's brighter or the snow is less or the room is warmer or you enjoy church more. Well, shouldn't one enjoy church more if he's truly a believer? Well, I, I suppose so. I don't know why he wouldn't, but that's not the point. You say, you know, I, I believe, but I get bored in church. Well, the question is not, do you get bored in church or not? The question is, did you believe? Well, yeah, but should a person get bored in church? Well, no, he doesn't, or he shouldn't. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever been? <laughs> not when I was preaching, of course, but have you ever been bored in church? Don't sit there and look at me like that. Of course you have. You know, I've been bored in church. I'm a preacher. I've been bored in church. I've been bored in church when I was preaching. <laughs> this is not a good thing. See, the point, the point is not what you do. The point is what he has done and what you're relying upon. And so the verse ends up by saying this. This is the record. God hath given to us eternal life. His life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that have believed in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Why does it repeat it? He says, I'm writing this to people who have believed in order that you can know and in order that you can believe. Doesn't that sound like it's almost circular? Why does he repeat it? Because invariably, the people who have believed but don't know look to something else. I believed, but I don't witness. I believe, but I don't give. I believe, but I still get mad at my spouse. I believe, but I don't want to come to church tonight. There's a great game on. 
I believe, but I don't want to give. If I truly believe, wouldn't I do? Well, you're supposed to, but that's not the point. The point is going back to whether or not you have believed. Isn't that wonderful? This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And these things have I written unto you that have believed on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, suppose, suppose I come to you and I say, I, I don't know if I'm saved or not. And you say, why not? And I say, well, because I got mad at Mary. Okay, then you say, well, that's true, Brother Bill. You shouldn't get mad at Mary. It's wicked to get mad at Mary. Is, it, is, is that correct? Is it correct I shouldn't get mad at Mary? Okay, could we say it's wicked to get mad at Mary? But that's not the issue, is it? Is it? The issue is whether or not you got the parachute on. See, it's not, it's not what, I, what I'm doing. What I do is important. It's very important. But what I do doesn't get me to heaven. So, these things have I written to you that have believed in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe. So you just go right back to where you started. Okay, Lord, I can't save me. I can't do what's right. I couldn't before I trusted you. I can't after I've trusted you. I'm coming back to trusting you to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Have you ever been discouraged at what you do after having trusted Christ. Remember when you were first saved? How, how many here were saved when you were a youngster? Okay, remember when you were first saved? This is great. This is great. I love God. I love church. I love the Bible. I love my parents. I love my friends at school. I, I love my siblings. I love everybody. I love everything. I'm happy with everything. How long did that last? So in a couple of weeks, you got mad at a sibling. In a couple of weeks, um, you got mad at your church. In a couple of weeks, you got upset with whatever in your life as a Christian, and then you go back to doubting the matter of your salvation. Now, it's legitimate that people can doubt their salvation, but I'm telling you the answer to it is always, in whom are you trusting? And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Can we? Could I have every head bowed? And, and could I ask everybody to sit up good and straight? It'll help you to think, if, if you don't mind.